Today, I've got a really simple assignment, and that is to get you fired up for missions. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, and he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How many of you believe that? Go you, therefore. Because I have the authority, what he's saying is you have the authority. I'm the head, you're the body. Whatever I have, you have. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. And uh, so I know enough about the military. You know, I, we used to, uh, I served a church for a few years in another state, right next to Quantico Marine Base. And uh, so I ministered to military officers, to, to Marine officers, to, to uh, Army officers, people that worked at the Pentagon, people that worked at Crystal City, people that worked at uh, the different forts around the area, Fort Belvoir. And... Uh, and I, and I hung around with them enough to learn some of the things that they know in that culture. And one of the things is this. When your commanding officer gives you an order, gives you a commission, those are the standing orders until you receive further orders. This is our commanding officer, his, his last orders to us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And nobody's come yet and come back yet and revoked those orders and given us further orders. So these are the standing orders that we're, that we're being held accountable to. Romans 8.14 says this, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You weren't meant to live life in the flesh. You were meant as a son or a daughter of God to live in the Spirit. Holy Spirit abides, lives in, and rests on sons and daughters. Jesus was the first one. Remember the dove that left the ark? Noah's ark? And it went out and it couldn't find a place to rest, so it came back. To me, that's a picture of the first dispensation from Adam to Noah. There was not a people, a covenant people that he brought back. The only people that were saved were eight souls, Noah and his family. And so he waited a little bit, and he sent out the dove again. And this time he came back with an olive branch in his mouth. To me, that's a picture of Israel. In the next dispensation, he came back with a covenant people, Israel. But he wanted something more. And so he sent the dove out again. And he never came back. But he showed up when Jesus got baptized. He found a son. He found a resting place. John said in John 1, 33, 34, when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. 
he was the first one that the Holy Spirit came on and remained on. He was looking for a son. He's still looking for sons. And by the way, uh, sons are male and female in the kingdom. In the kingdom, there's no male or female, remember? And so there's male and female sons in the kingdom. The Lord's looking, the Holy Spirit is looking for sons and daughters that he can rest on. He doesn't come on slaves. He doesn't come on servants and remain. He did that all the way through. But Jesus said, greater man has not been born of woman than John the Baptist. But I say to you, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Every one of you is a bigger deal than John the Baptist if you're born again. Because you are the resting place of the Holy Spirit. We get to live in the Spirit. We get to walk in the Spirit. He's still looking for a resting place. He has so much that he wants to show us. Oh, there's so much treasure that he wants to reveal to us. Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You might say, well, what's this got to do with missions? It's got a lot to do with missions. You know why? Because we don't need a bunch of slaves going out trying to take captives in other nations and bring them in captivity to their religion. We need sons and daughters being commissioned and sent out with the Father's heart and with Holy Spirit's presence. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I'd say, well, I'm not sure I want to do that suffering bit. Well, everyone in here is going to suffer. Hate to tell you. Everyone in here is going to suffer. You get to, you get to choose what kind of suffering you're going to have. And I promise you, the easiest road of suffering that you will have is selling out to Jesus' plan for your life. He said, whatever you leave behind for my sake in the Gospels, you're gonna, I'll give you a hundredfold in this life with persecutions. That's where the suffering comes. People are going to misunderstand you. They're going to come against you. They're going to accuse you. They're going to reject you. Sometimes you might get attacked. That's part of the gospel. That's part of the price that we have to be willing to pay. Which means that we have to work, we get to have to grow to the place where we're able to deal with offense. Because trust me, it's impossible that no one in the kingdom, that someone in the kingdom does not get offended. That you have an opportunity for offense. But we have to learn to work through that stuff. And, uh, He's, because he's got an inheritance for each of us. If children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to show each one of you your kingdom inheritance. And maybe somebody's sitting here thinking, you know what? My inheritance is my family. I'm not interested in going too far outside of my own family. Well, listen, the father's got a family. 
And if you're not concerned about his family, you're just concerned about your family, it's probably not going to go that well for you. Not if you've got an assignment to go to the nations. Because your family, I, I, I hate to break this to you, but your family is temporary. His family is eternal. Does that mean abandon your family? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you reject God's call to be a father or a mother to his family, to serve his family, um, you're actually passing on the most important assignment that he has for you because it's, it connects to your in, eternal inheritance. He's got an inheritance for each of us. Psalm 2 verse 7 says this. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, let me back up a little bit. I need to go down a little bunny trail in that family. That doesn't feel quite done. Doesn't feel quite done to me. Uh, was it in um, Habakkuk or Haggai where he said that you, uh, you, you work and, and make a lot of money and you put it in pockets with holes in them? He said, and the reason is, is because you're busy building your house and you're ignoring my house. Now, when you recognize that family, that house, is not just your physical house, it's your family. When, when, when the Lord covenanted with David and said, I, you wanted to build me a house, I'm not going to let you build my house, I'm going to let Solomon do that. Uh, but because you wanted to, I'm going to build your house. And he wasn't talking about the king's palace. He was talking about the, the house of David's family, his seed, that would always have a place of honor because of David's faithfulness to the Lord. And if we're just concerned about our house and not his house, then we're going to end up putting our stuff into pockets with holes in it. Okay. I wanted, I wanted to lay a foundation a little better there than I did before. Um, Back to Psalm 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Now, this is the Father speaking to Jesus. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Okay, now, if you want to find out when that happened, when Jesus was begotten, you'll find that in Acts chapter 13, verse 33. Because it connects it directly to Jesus' resurrection. The tomb became a womb and birthed him into a new species that this planet has never seen before, the species of Christ. He's the only begotten of the Father. All the other sons and daughters were created sons. Okay? This one's the only one that was born. But he's the firstborn of many brethren. That means you and I, when we're born again, we're part of that. Excuse me. Change of seasons. I got just a bit of a sniffle, which doesn't belong to me. It needs to go back where it came from. Okay, so 
So today I have begotten you refers to the day that Jesus resurrected from the grave. It refers to you becoming a part of that species the day that you are born again. You're born into a new species that never existed before. You're no longer a created son. You're a born son. You're born into the family. The DNA of the Father is in you. Remember Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He knew what DNA was in him. Then he says, ask of me, the Father says to the Son, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. We are God's heirs, Jesus' co-heirs. That means the nations are our inheritance. You might say, well, I don't have any, any desire to go to another country and be a missionary. Doesn't mean you have to be. But it means you need to embrace the process and your role in it. What's that? Yeah, the United States is a nation. Your nation may be down the street. It, it may, whatever God is, it may be your workplace. Wherever, wherever the, the Greek word, the New Testament Greek word for nations is ethnos. It means ethnic groups. It means tribes. There's tribes somewhere that have your name on them. Maybe your own tribe. Maybe the one down the street. Maybe the one somewhere in your region. It may be in another nation. God's wired you for whatever your tribe is that you're called to inherit. He's called you to carry kingdom influence into that tribe and help bring transformation and, and bring them back to life, bring them back into their kingdom inheritance. If you're God's heir, Jesus' co-heir, then your inheritance is nations. Now, you need, to, you need to understand something. We're absolutely committed to our own region. And, and if you haven't figured that out by now, uh, you're not thinking very far. But we are absolutely committed to our own region and to the influence that God's called us to carry in our own region. But we're also committed to the nations that he's called us to. And, and Peru was uh, first put on my radar screen back about 1991 when Prophet Roger Pugh, no, it wasn't Roger Pugh, it was uh, Jim Stevens, had a prophetic vision, and he saw me ministering to Peruvian natives. And in 2009, I finally got there for the first time. And the Lord gave me so much favor in that nation that I've been going back ever since. I don't know how many times I've been there, 30 sometimes. It's, my, it's kind of my other home. And uh, I told my family recently, anything ever happens to me while I'm in Peru, tell them to bury me there. Don't even bother bringing me back because my heart's there as well as here. And I'm serious about that. I'd much rather do that than... Never mind. What happens to a lot of older Americans? Uh, but every one of us has a part to play, whether it's to pray and, and be seriously interceding for those who go and for the nations that we go to, uh, whether it's to financially support those who go, uh, whether it's to help to equip those who go, or whether it's to go yourself. Um, 
But every one of us is called to participate in the process somewhere, somehow. And every one of us will share in the reward if we're a part of that process. And so every one of us is able to be a part of it. Now, we've got missions projects in Peru, uh, in Brazil, and Colombia and Bolivia are on our radar screen. Um, and, and now in Albania. In 2020... We started a ministry school here called FISH, Freedom International School of Harvest. And the Lord said to me in 2020 that this is going to be a special forces training camp. <clears throat> that was a word that was pretty, pretty much confirmed by Robbie Dawkins with a dream that he had for me a couple of days before he came the last time. So this summer, I was with John Redenbow in Nashville, and he shared with me a dream that he'd had a night or two before we got together. And in his dream, he saw a square room with glass walls. There were 12 people inside the room, three on each side. And we were getting ready to move the room from the building that it was in, but first we had to make sure that all of our shoes were in the room. And I said, John, that's an apostolic portal. Twelve is apostolic. The shoes is being sent with the preparation of the gospel. It's, but it took me a little while before I understood what the key message in the dream was. And that is that the room was being moved out of the building that it was in and relocated. And, and, I, and I came home and I told Steve, I think we have to get ready to mobilize our ministry school and take it to the front lines, to the nations where it's needed. It has to be a mobile training center. Fortunately, fortunately we'd already begun that. Uh, and so we were kind of ahead of the curve. We'd already begun this in Peru. Um, so... But our vision is to take teams of special forces trainers to strategic locations to equip pastors and leaders in one to two week intensive training classes. Peru is our starting place where these values were developed on the ground. Now, Mepi Central Church in Cabayacocha, which is 10 hours on a fast boat downriver from Iquitos, uh, two hours by fast boat up from the border of Brazil is the, is the jungle city of Cabayacocha. That's where our first apostolic training center is in another nation. And we raised, uh, we raised the money to upgrade their building, to put an addition on the back of the building, where uh, they now have a dining hall and a kitchen where they can cook food. And so now, once or twice a year, we raise funds to buy the gas to bring pastors and leaders together from probably a 100-mile radius. And they come together, and they're excited. This is what they look forward to all year. It's the biggest event all year for them. They come from jungle villages where they're working uh, in conditions that 
most of us would not believe. They have no money. That's why we have to raise the money. They live off the jungle. That's why we have to raise the money to buy the gas for the boats to bring them. And then uh, to buy the food that they cook in the kitchen uh, where they will eat all week. And then they stay with local families. We don't have to pay for their lodging. And uh, it's becoming a big deal. Um, we believe in the TAP principle of training. Teach, activate, and practice. We take it beyond just academic education. You know, the people have to understand how to put into practice what they're being taught. And it's empowering them because they never were exposed to that kind of training before. They're excited about it. Uh, we're training up warriors. So in October of 2021, I traveled to Gabaycocha alone to strategize and plan our training center with the leaders there. And from the time that I got there, I saw an open vision that lasted for three days. And sometimes I hesitate to share that stuff too much because I don't want people to think that I'm all about just supernatural stuff. I believe in walking with my feet on the ground. But the supernatural stuff happens, and it's heaven confirming what God is calling us to. I saw, but this vision lasted for three days. Eyes open or shut. Uh, for three days, I saw four men standing side by side at a distance watching me. And at first, it kind of freaked me out. And I'm like, Lord, who are these guys? What do they want with me? Why are they watching me? And he didn't just answer me. It's like, you need to start processing what I'm trying to communicate here. It's okay. So over the next three days, I was processing with the Lord the message that they were meant to bring to me. Because the message was really from the Lord, but he used people that represented. Uh, these men are from the tribes that we're called to. They're fathers that have gone on before. And they're interested in what we're doing. But they're also concerned. And their message was this. Don't do what so many others have done. Don't bring your American or religious culture to these people. Honor their history, their culture, their values, their traditions, their language. Don't elevate an American lifestyle or an American culture that causes them to become dissatisfied where they are. Only bring them the gospel. Only help them come out of any alliance they have with dark powers. But otherwise, let the gospel bring any changes that are necessary. Now, and honor their fathers that have been there before us, who have laid foundations before we get there. Why is that a big deal? I mean, what if they did taught them paganism and all that? Um, I'll tell you a story. When I was down in Cherokee with Adam and Tanya on the on the Trail of Joy tour, Mark and I went down. We were there one night. This lady came up to me. She said, believe it or not, this is the first time that this message of grace has ever been brought to this reservation in all these years. She said, even up until now, when they come in, they say, you have to leave this heathen culture. You have to renounce this language and all your traditions because this is a demonic culture. And they have so offended the people that are there that they're, they, they won't even listen to them. She said, that's why your team was attacked. That's why they cut your tent down. 
But she said, you bring a different message. And I'm just here to tell you, this, they have not heard this message before. She said, my great, was it her great aunt? My great aunt was across the street here playing with other kids in the river when she was a kid. And, uh, and the river started carrying some of the kids away. And she was terrified. She thought they were going to drown. So she came running up to the missionaries for help. And she was so terrified, she couldn't get the words out in English, so she said it in Cherokee. She said, you know what they did? They grabbed her and slit her tongue and said, you'd be better off never to speak again than to speak that heathen language. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I wept. That's what American religion has exported to many tribes. And that's what these guys were concerned about. Don't do that. Let us have our culture, our tribe, our values. Honor the fathers. Well, what if they were heathens? Well, here's the deal. Romans 13.1, part of the verse says this. There is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Maybe they didn't know everything that we know when it comes to uh, salvation by faith through grace. Maybe they didn't understand all that stuff, but they were appointed by God to oversee a people that are precious to him. And when we honor them, we're honoring the one who set them in place. So let the gospel bring any changes that are necessary. Don't teach them American values or emulate American lifestyle. And, and furthermore, this one other piece, and make sure that everyone you bring agrees to those same values. And when I, when I agreed, they disappeared. I didn't see them again. I'd gotten the message. Next, it's one more little addendum to that. The next week I'm back home and I'm processing this because I knew it was a significant encounter. And I heard the Lord say, if you're willing to agree to that for the South American tribes, are you willing to agree to that for your own tribe? I'm like, oh, Wow. Yeah, why wouldn't I? Do you know how many people are trying to help the Amish by labeling them a cult and telling them they have to leave their culture, leave their people, leave everything behind? I'm not going to get into a debate about whether any of that is true or not. But what I'm saying is the culture is precious to the Lord and there's something there that he wants to redeem. And there's some of us here in this room that have actually seen glimpses of revival coming into Amish churches. What it would look like. And I think we're going to live to see it. And if we burn bridges between us and them by dishonoring their culture, dishonoring their language, dishonoring their father. My dad was one of the fathers of faith that was in that culture. Then we're going to burn a bridge that God could use to reach people with the gospel. The other part of the vision is this. And I'm not, I'm not against mass crusades, but the vision the Lord's given us is build a foundation for it. Gather together pastors and leaders from a region and get them working together. Get them to let down the walls between them so that you have a net to contain the harvest when you do your mass crusades. Because so many people fall through the net 
if that is not done. And we just kind of got into that. And now the, the, the pastors down in the Three Frontiers region are so fired up because they never even imagined that they could bring that kind of an awakening to their region. And this is, this is a really big opportunity that we have. In Albania, it's, it's, it's even more critical if possible because Islam is battling for the soul of Europe and Albania is a major gateway into Europe. Listen, Ron King was one of the first apostolic brothers that went in there when communism fell. And, and uh, he told us horror stories. Hospitals with all the windows gone, birds flying around inside, babies laying on bare springs in the hospitals. He said it was horrible. There was, there was no, he couldn't communicate. The only way he could communicate with somebody is leave a note on their door. There was no infrastructure at all. They had, they had ravaged, the, the communists had ravaged the country. And if you think socialism is cool, you should have been there, probably. They had ravaged, because socialism is communism light. It's leading to that. And, and, and they had destroyed, they literally stripped the nation of all its trees. Burned up all the trees. And left empty factories when they left and, and, and a plundered landscape and a devastated people. Now, the infrastructure is mostly being rebuilt. You still see these little bomb shelters all over the country. Um, you still see empty factories that uh, have not been put back into use yet for other things. Um, but uh, in Albania, we have an opportunity to come do the same thing. And we have an opportunity to do what Skander Bay did, what was it, 500 years ago, whatever it was, when, or maybe 800, 700, 800 years ago, when the Ottoman Empire was, Empire was trying to bring Islam into Europe through Albania, and, and Skander Bay was their national hero, stopped the, the invasion. And, and they're a major gateway into Europe, and I believe the Lord wants to do it again. And so Ron King went in there, and he brought in teams of evangelists and uh, prophets and and people to evangelize and plant churches, him and, and, and several other leaders. And then he brought in a team of lawyers. And they helped write the constitution of the nation. And had they not done that, Christianity probably wouldn't be very welcome in that country, but it's actually written into their con constitution because of the wisdom of Ron King bringing in those, those attorneys. And now there's freedom of religion there. We're free to come in. And then Ron King, who's now getting into his upper 70s, reconnected with us and Daryl and Debbie, who he had originally sent, and said, look, I'm too old to do this. I'm passing the mantle to you. So there's an authority that he's given us. Uh, the guy that helped uh, facilitate the writing of their national constitution, that has passed the mantle to us to go and, and literally be involved in changing the destiny of a nation. I don't know about you, but I want to be involved in that. Our team members raise their own funds for travel, for lodging, and for food. This, goes, this offering goes to missions projects, the training class ex expenses, etc. And this is a once-a-year event where we raise funds for our missions projects. You know, we're selling tickets for a raffle. Normally, I, wouldn't even, I don't even know if we're going to do it next year. Maybe we'll just do an auction next year, not do the raffle or something. Anyway, but we're doing that this time. We've, there's tickets for 
the raffle prizes. There's tickets for the uh, gift uh, baskets. Uh, and then there's going to be an auction at, at 2 o'clock. Uh, Eli Troyer is going to be here. And uh, we're going to have an amazing auction over there. And, uh, and then at 3 o'clock we'll have the drawings. Uh, but right now we're going to receive a missions offering. And uh, I've asked Mark Guggins, uh, who's a dyed-in-the-wool front lines missionary himself, if he would come and uh, take up this offering and pray. And then we're going to have communion as we close. Love you, brother. Come on. When I was sitting um, and listening, I, I had this vision from the Lord that this is a house of, of missionaries. And I, I know that what Pastor Yuri just said, a lot of times we don't feel like missionaries, right? Sometimes you're like, I, I don't go to the nations. No, but you go to your neighborhood. You go to the region. I watch what God is doing in this region, and it is like the tip of the spear. What God is doing right here in this church, it's the tip of the spear of what he's doing in Ohio. I really believe God's going to bring revival into the Amish. I believe it very strongly. I've had visions and dreams of it for the last five years. And then when I start to see what God is doing here, I'm like, this is the Great Commission being fulfilled. This is it happening right here. You're seeing it. You're part of it. So your heart is already designed and created for missions. It has been cultivated here because this is a house of missionaries. This is a house of missionaries. You are literally the missionaries to this entire region. And then you see the same thing in Peru. You see the same thing in Albania. And it's interesting. He, he doesn't know this, but I spent five years in the Balkans. I, I lived there, and I spent... My time in Montenegro, in Albania, I lived in Tirana. Uh, I lived in um, Kosovo, in Serbia, in Bosnia, in Yugoslavia, in Romania. I spent time in all of those countries for some very hostile periods. And really what God is doing here, it, he is redeeming land. He is, he is sending you into the hardest places and into the darkest places where land needs to be redeemed and people are being called back. And he's using you. And sometimes when you're here, like I'm a, I'm a person who spends a lot of time in the nations, but I also pastor a church. Okay, so I spend time in Pakistan. I spend time in the Afghan border region. I spend time with the Iraqis and the working with the Saudis and working in the Middle East. And a lot of times when people hear that, they're like, well, I'm not called there. I'm not doing those things. No, but we would never get there, and the things would never happen without people like you. There are things that are happening that this church has sown into that you have maybe no idea. Because of this house, because of this church, several hundred people have been rescued out of slavery. That's because of you. That's because of you, not because of me. I just said yes. I just said yes to go, but you had to say yes to fund it. And several hundred men, women, and children have been rescued out of slavery, literally enslaved in a desert. Enslaved in a desert. There's two million people enslaved in Pakistan in a desert. And this church has been instrumental in setting them free. That's, that's the kind of projects he's talking about. 
That's the kind of stuff that you're sowing into. Being an apostolic voice in that nation, you have no idea because we sit here in our protected bubble and we only see it on the news. You have no idea the Islamic horde that is waiting. You have no idea. And the gateway is through Europe. When I, when I was in Albania, I was dealing with Muslim warlords all over the place, up in the mountain areas, and they were prevalent. There were lots, and they flowed into Germany. They flowed into Romania. They flowed into Hungary. They flowed into Serbia. And I can tell you that bringing back the faith into that area, it will stop this. We, we, we're not going to stop it with more war. We're going to stop it with the gospel. We're not going to stop it with swords. We're going to stop it with the word. That is the sword in this hour. And I'm telling you, this church, you, all of you are partnering with that. So when you take and participate in this offering today, when you sow, you're sowing into what God is doing globally. He is doing something. This is an end times harvest. This is the end times harvest. And he's doing it in Brazil. He's doing it in Peru. He's doing it in Colombia. He's doing it in Albania. He's doing it in Pakistan. He's doing it everywhere. And he's doing it right here. So I want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. I don't want you to give because you feel guilt. I want you to ask God, how can I partner and be part of this? How can I partner and be part of this seed into this region, the seed into the nations? How can I be part of what God is doing? I want you to just close your eyes for a moment and ask. Father, we ask you for eyes to see and ears to hear what you are doing in the nations, what you are doing in Albania, what you are doing in the Balkans, what you are doing in Colombia, what you are doing in Peru, what you are doing in Brazil, what you are doing. Give us eyes to see. Sometimes we cannot go, but you are there. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. Tear down anything in our hearts that may make us blind to seeing what you are doing. Tear down any veils on our eyes or prejudices that may say, we just need to do it here. You have commanded us to do it locally. You've commanded us to do it regionally. And you've commanded us to do it globally. How can we be obedient to you right now? How can we yield our heart to you right now? Father, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to understand. Give us your heart for the nations. Let our heart be, be your heartbeat. Now ask the Holy Spirit, what should you do? Here I am, God, use me. That should be our heart's cry. Here I am, God, use me. How can you be used right now? 
You are not less than because you don't go. You are not less than because you sow. It is all one body and every part is needed. No one is more important and no one is less important. So Jesus, we thank you for this offering. We thank you for what you are about to do and how you have multiplied time and time again the provision needed for these projects. And we thank you for what you have done and what you will do in this moment. We ask you, God, to multiply the loaves and the fishes, multiply the resources needed so that your kingdom will come in these nations so they can taste and see that you are good, so you can raise up pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists in those nations that they can be equipped, empowered, and sent out into the harvest field. Raise up apostolic equipping hubs thrust out by this church. Raise up apostolic equipping hubs, not just in one nation, but in many nations. Use this as a blueprint for what you are doing in this hour. Use them, God. Here they are. Use them. And use this offering to see your kingdom advance. In Jesus' name, amen.